0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams? Niche nonsense? Or surprisingly brilliant? You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish Football Podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. Uh, back in lockdown two, uh, but delighted to see we're still going um, remotely, but still going. Uh, Mark Smith, great to have you on.
2: Great to be on, Martin. Lockdown two is well underway. Can rely and on you. In uh, lockdown, uh, you know can't what? We? It's all going. Well, it's all going fine until the international break. That's that's the real lockdown. Yeah, well, that's it. I know it, it's uh, it's come around quick this second
1: international break, isn't it? And um, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure. That, well, it was supposed to be a bit of a rest for some of the players, but I don't think it will be much of a rest considering the amount of football and the importance of it. But anyway, I, I'm delighted to say we're we're being joined by uh, Mr. Sam Pilger today. Sam, great to have you on. Hello, great to be back, guys. Thanks for having me. My, myself and Mark were trying to work out last time you were on. I, I it was remote. It was remote. I think it was
0: right.
2: Project Restart. I think we were like five games into the restart. I don't. I think it was last season. I mean, that shows you how. Yeah, you, that's what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean by the concept of time. Started.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, I think about July. Yeah, Mark's right about then. Mark's yeah.
2: right. Yeah, Beagle. see here that Mark's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't validate him, Sam. That's the last <laughs> thing we
1: can't, can't empower him. And um, what you been up to, Sam? How are things? I mean, obviously with the the lockdown taking all football off the table, apart from elite football, that's probably uh, that
0: that's not ideal at the minute, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think as you know, I, I manage my son's under 16 team. We play in the Kent Youth League. And yeah, I mean, that all shut down a week ago. So at our last session, the coach said, I'll see you in a month. And it, it just sounded so odd. It was like, hang on, a month? It's, it's November. This is football season. So it, it's quite sad. Uh, we've got lots of frustrated 15, 16 year olds. who are not allowed to train, not allowed to play. So uh, hopefully it's uh, not for too much longer. Yeah,
1: that's brutal. the I mean, how how are the guys getting on? How's Louis getting on this season and, and the rest of the team?
0: It's been a step up. It's been a step up. We played in a sort of more of a local league called the Tangiers League, and we now play in the Kent League, which is a county league, which is the next best level, other than academy. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a step up. We've uh, struggled a little bit, but we're we're finding our feet. Um, but uh, but yeah, work wise, I've 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 had a I've been interviewing a a, a various array of of Footballers, um, mainly former footballers, but, yeah, they've, they've been quite good fans because it's book season. I've interviewed quite a few, so a uh, bit from Alan Brazil to Jamie Redknapp, Jamie Carragher, and, and probably my favourite uh, was uh, Nicholas Bentner.
2: Oh, oh, Nicholas Bentner, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Good, good, good sort of uh, a, a array of names there as well.
0: Indeed, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, but Bentner's book was fantastic. I mean, in this job, I... I mean, I, I enjoy football books anyway, but in this job, you have to read them in research. And he, his was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it, it was probably one of the best football books I've read um, in a long time. Um, wow. Just you know, he's been—he he sort of knows he messed up. He had the talent, you know, but you know, played for Arsenal and Juventus, but but he, he kind of realizes he didn't—he didn't make the most of it. And you know, the, the sort of usual tale of. As he said, being too fond of women and and mm-hmm. uh, and nights out uh, sort of brought him down. But it, yeah, it's good good story.
2: Martin Griffiths' ears are burning.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> How dare you, Mark? How dare you? Um, more more more. case of I spotted a couple of the stories in, you know, when they were doing the promo for that Sam, and then there was a couple of belters, wasn't that him talking about gambling and just kind of general. Uh, debauched behavior, but um you kind of you don't always investigate further because Benton is kind of a very divisive character anyway, isn't he? And when you see him in the paper, you're like, "Oh God, what's this all about?" But the the book did genuinely interest me, so I'm glad to hear you said it's worth
0: picking up because I'll, I'll yeah, definitely I'll, investigate I'll further. Oh uh, it, uh, yeah, yeah. I was Sorry, gonna, go no, it, it's it's brutally honest, and 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 he he has you know talks about having a, a thousand pound bet. Uh, to, when he was at Birmingham, a thousand pound bet with his teammates if if he could date the manager's daughter, who was oh, the, wow. the Steve Bruce at the time, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, losing four hundred thousand pounds in a night gambling, and yeah. And, and yeah, being blackmailed for food jobs, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a good tale. I'm talking tw- about other
2: other I'm like- <laughs> I imagine there's not much football in the, in the Brazil autobiography, is there?
0: <laughs> the, the um, it, yeah, that that was a bit more slow paced, really. Yeah, um, it, it was. I'm a huge fan of
2: Brazil. I'm a huge. I've worked with him a lot of times on Talk Sport, and I, I would definitely be reading that book.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, he um, well, he retired at 27. You sort of forget. Um, but um, yeah, no, some good football tales of of when he was a kid wrecking um Sir Alex Ferguson's front garden once a week in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs>
1: No, I'd like to read that as well. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, uh, well, let's, we'll, we'll come on to footy in a second, Mark. But what have you been up to? Anything interesting?
2: Absolutely nothing. Let's crack on with the show, Grit. <laughs>
1: well, uh, yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, I hope you've been watching the footy at the very least. Sam, uh, since we've had you on, I was I was investigating a little bit into your, your Twitter feed, Sam. And not an awful lot on United over the last, last week or so, maybe just before the Everton game. So, I um, is, is the jury out for you at the minute? Are you kind of uh, sitting on the fence waiting for something to happen? Or, or how do you feel about the current situation?
0: Um, I think, I mean, it's just more of the same, isn't it? It's the ups, and the downs. I think that, you know, uh, beating uh, Leipzig 5 0, who were at, the, at that point the, the leaders of the uh, German league, the Bundesliga, and Champions League semi finalists from last year, beating them 5 0. You know, a couple of weeks after losing six one to Tottenham almost says it all, really. So I think, you know, Solskjaer's not that bad. He's not that good or the team, but somewhere in the middle, and ultimately that's probably probably not good enough. I mean, I think United are currently fourteenth, so that really that really says it all. Yeah, yeah. Fourteen.
2: Well, I but it's early still, isn't it? Is, is it? What are we, eight games in, seven games in? Yeah. So I remember, I remember having you on, yeah, in, in July sort of time, and we were saying this exact same thing. It, it, this sort of, uh, the the story of them was going from, well, this is the worst team in the world, and then within three days, oh, this is actually maybe the best footballing side in the country. Then it kept this pendulum, kept swinging back and forth, and, and I think we all suspect that it's probably somewhere near the middle, isn't it? And the the narrative's the same. It hasn't, nothing's really changed. They look. They can look great against PSG, then they can look awful against Istanbul, and I've got no idea what United you're going to get. So I wonder, Martin. Maybe this is more for you, but what do you see it being? What is the reason for the inconsistency? Because they've obviously got really good players. So is it a management thing? Is it an individual players thing? What is it? They
1: don't like. They just look quite
2: unsettled, don't they? I don't think a lot of the players. The weird thing about them is
1: they don't always look necessarily that happy. You know, I think there was a, there was a spell that perhaps was more marked because when, when Rashford and Martial uh, and, and Fernandes were playing well, everyone, they were all smiles and you were like, oh, this this feels like a Manchester United team of old, you know, and that, but with that very short yeah, spell yeah. and then they, they slipped back down into the dumps quite quickly. I just think there's a real, there's an air about some of the players and obviously things hanging over them. I mean, Pogba, however that may play in the media, it must be unsettling in the change rooms. That guy should be, a club captain should be a leader for for the rest of the team and you know either he might make, make out that it's the way he's been treated but at the same time you look at it and go it's just such a missed opportunity for United to have a player of that caliber
2: and not make yeah, the most yeah. of it so I would well, I think Sam, it's three or four or five players yeah well I mean they've got I, a number of top top players so I wonder Sam do you, do you think I mean you said that that's so Sharp isn't that good isn't that bad let's say hypothetically we take the name that is on the top of everyone's list. We, we take Pochettino and we say, right, you put him in charge. Do you think he gets more out of this current team and do you think he does it quickly?
0: Oh, good question. Good question. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know about quickly. I think you, if you judge his record uh, with, with, with Tottenham, uh, which was, you know, obviously reaching a Champions League final, um, you know, doing well with Southampton, obviously, which gave him the chance with Tottenham. You know, he's a proven Premier League manager. Is Solskjaer that yet? Yeah, not? Well, poss- possibly not, maybe after just a season, season and a half. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the grass isn't always greener, but I think there's with every, uh, I think with him not having a job and, and as you said, you know, can he do it quickly? He could be, you know, he could be there the next, um, the next day or so. I mean, I know that he had a chance. He spoke to Barcelona at the end of, uh, at, at the end of last year, but wasn't, wasn't so keen. He wants, he wants another go at the premier league. Uh, he's interested in United. I mean, I wouldn't say he's waiting for United because if something else comes along he'll he'll take that, but he's certainly that would be the one he he would want uh, Pochettino um, and um i mean you you'd say he got a lot out of Tottenham. he could probably get something more out of uh, he 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 has a more defined way of playing, more of a structure. Solskjaer doesn't know his best team, doesn't know his best formation, um, keeps going in and out um i think i mean i think I mean, martin sort of talked about it i mean the, the i think with united this season the momentum was lost from the summer well i mean you, last i mean you say summer but that was last season obviously with project restart finishing third um coming back into it there was, uh, you know, adding to the squad. And they've, they've, they bought five players, but none of the five players are, are starters. None of, you know, Telez, who's behind Shaw, although he might get a, more of a chance now. Van der Beek hasn't really had much of a chance. Palestrian, uh, the, uh, the kid from Italy, um, Diallo, um, and um, Cavani. None of them walk straight into the team and make it better. So it's sort of dressing up the squad and, I think they've uh, they've missed that. And, you know, I mean, I know everybody got bored about Jadon and Sancho and I can understand United not paying 120 million pounds in, a, in a, or euros in a, in a pandemic when they're losing money and stadiums are empty. But that would have given, I think, the, the oomph and the, kept the momentum going. Or even not just Sancho, another player who's going to walk into the squad, but they bought five yeah. players and none of them are starting.
2: Yeah, I think they needed... Two or three starters and and another two squad players, didn't they, at, at the start of that that window? It never quite happened. Um, a couple of things, just to pick you up on there, Sam. Um, I have a feeling they they might not want to get rid of Solshaar quickly because I th- we all know that the fans love him. He's he's a he's a cult hero at the club, and he he, he has brought back a lot of um, a, a lot of good energy into that dressing room that wasn't there post Mourinho. But isn't there a way of doing this quite well so everyone wins? In that you could just move Oli upstairs and put him in that director of football role. He's a sort of person. He loves the club. He's really energetic and enthusiastic about the club. He could attract new players, and crucially, he understands the ethos of of the club. He understands the sort of players to bring in and the sort of sort of football they want to play. And therefore, we'd we'll be able to be there for years and keep that consistency of the philosophy going. And then you get in someone to manage instead. Is is that is that too obvious, or am I is what, what am I just mental? No, no, not at all. I mean, funnily enough, about a year a year or so ago, I wrote a column about that, saying you know,
0: Solskjaer would be the ideal director of football rather than um, rather than a manager because actually his record in the transfer market has been pretty good. I mean, uh, Maguire James made a good start, Juan Saka, Fernandez, not many misses. Um, so no, no, you know, he 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 to uh, be able to pick a good player. Um, but in terms of actually managing day-to-day coaching, that, that has been a bit hit and miss. I think the thing is, it's really overstated and, and, and you know, the whole thing about knows the ethos, ethos of the club, the DNA of the club. You hear this with every club. I mean, the, the DNA or the ethos of any club is to win. That's what it is to win, you know, <laughs> and and this sort of, he knows the club, he understands the club. I mean, what, to win with attractive football? I mean, isn't that the ethos in any club, uh, you know, whatever level. Um, so I, I think that's overplayed a bit. And yeah, he probably is protected from um, a lot of criticism. I mean, obviously the stands are empty and, and when it got real, I mean, I was at the Burnley game last January, which was probably the lowest moment United lost two nil and, that was, they didn't lose again that season, but you know, that the, there were empty seats, the fans were... were
2: well, it, were, it was were, so bad, they went and spent 50 million quid the next day, and Fernando, Well,
0: a, absolutely, but the well, one thing they didn't do, they didn't turn on Solskjaer, it was the Glazers, it's, it was Woodward, it was maybe some of the players, but not Solskjaer, so, I mean, clearly, he is protected a little bit, but, and maybe he is, he does have, he is going to be given a bit more time about that, but... You know, which is ironic and really because he's been given more time for what he did, did as a player twenty years ago rather than what he did as a manager. You know, Mourinho was sacked two and a half years after winning the Premier League. Uh, so, you know, it's all very well, you know, scoring the goal against Bayern Munich twenty-one years ago, but yeah, he should be judged for what he what he uh, is doing now.
1: There's, there's a very different. It's a very different art managing a team, isn't it? And especially in this Premier League, because uh, even the teams that. You don't expect to do well are still very well set up and organised, and it doesn't really matter about the personnel if you've got the right attitude and players that are, um, you know, that buy into it and and can work as a unit. You can you can cause a lot of problems. Uh, Just the last thing on that, I think I think it's there's a lineage and a kind of comfort about having people like at um, uh, your club it's the same as Duncan Ferguson at Everton it's the same as a Celtic fan when I see you know the old boys in and around the club and it, it kind of it's a nice thing you're totally right Mark it's a, it, it fits well but then it just feels like the the modern business of football demands a yeah, very different yeah. uh, on hands-on coach
2: and Pochettino. Sentimentality it, it, doesn't get you very far yes. in the modern game, does it? But having said that, I mean they finished third last season. No one gave them a chance to get in top four, so maybe it's not all bad. And they're better off at this point in the season than they were last time. So, so who knows? Is what I'm yeah, saying. What, uh, I think, think you both like. I think you all like Ollie, don't we? But it's it's uh, maybe it's time to. Have a think about what the medium to the future looks. Like.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, Sam. I was going to ask you your thoughts on uh, Old Trafford as a venue, just in terms of obviously in lockdown, things that you know the, the home form's been been off. But at the same time, is it still the same intimidating place that, that clubs fear going to now? I mean, obviously we've seen some you know pretty harrowing results in lockdown <laughs> there. But um, at the same time, it's uh, you know that
0: that was always a key thing for United. I felt. You know, th- absolutely. But I, I mean, I think that's been on the declines, you know, since Sir Alex Ferguson retired seven, seven and a half years ago. You know, I, th- I think if you look at that, I mean, you know, I remember there was a time Everton had the first win, Swansea had the first win, everybody got their first win in, you know, 20, 30 years uh, in the post-Ferguson era. Um you know, under under David Moyes and then and then Louis van Gaal, um, it's not as intimidating as it was. But obviously, even less so without fans. Um, Solskjaer has lent on that, which is a bit, which is a bit of uh, uh, I think a bit a little bit lame because everybody's yeah. got uh, got that problem. But you know, the cliches about the Streptford End sucking the ball in into the back of the net and being the twelfth man—they are, you know, with foundation they have, you know, uh, some truth to it. And with United, you know, it losing one nil to Arsenal or nil nil with Chelsea, you know, last ten fifteen minutes, that 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 great surge and that that roar would would motivate players and help. But you know, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's got to do it. But I, yeah, I mean, I think that is after the Chelsea game, that was the first time they hadn't won in their first three league games since nineteen seventy two, but obviously that's been followed since the Arsenal game. So it so it's it's been even longer. So yeah, I mean that first four league games, one one point from twelve, I mean that that that's pretty poor.
1: Yeah, well absolutely and, and, and all in all it was probably a good time to play Evan. It was a good win. Um so let's yeah let's see what happens next after the international break. Obviously still quite a few players injured. Um yeah, let's uh, after the break, I'd like to come on to a few of the teams that were sharing top spot uh, briefly over the over the weekend because uh, uh, first time for them to do so. Let's join back after the break.
0: If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike
1: or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike.
0: Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF.
1: So uh we saw the top spot change hands between how many teams Mark? Was there like, there was about three teams up at the
2: top? The uh, what was it? So Leicester are top now, Southampton were there for a bit on Friday night, weren't they? Um Spurs were top for so That's Spurs, three three different teams. Yeah, three different teams were top.
1: But also teams that perhaps uh were <laughs> were happy to be there, shall we say? I mean Southampton have been a, an absolute revelation, have not they? Well, it might be a good place to yeah. start. And um, we always knew that they had the personnel and the way that they finished last season. And we we, we always seem to mention that nine 0 against Leicester. But they they're, they're just a different a different team now, and they seem to have strength and depth. You know they, they yeah. they've got they've got the even without strength. Ings exactly. well this is it. They've got they've managed. I think you were speaking about Che Adams before, weren't you? I can say now um, he's fi- finally come good, but he's always he's always threatened to be the player that he's turning into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, he looked great at Birmingham. Um, Sometimes it just takes time for people to settle in the Premier League. You know, it is a step up. It's a different sort of football. And some people take to it easier than in the Championship. I mean, Bamford, for example, looks a million dollars here, and yet he struggled to score really last season in the Championship. So it just just depends on your skill set and maybe a bit of your mentality. But Che Adams took a little bit of time, but he's really worked hard at it. And under Hassan he's really he's really turned into a really good all-round player, someone who can make goals and score them. And I thought, well, you know, with Ings not being there, maybe he he might struggle, maybe he'll get found out a little bit. And actually, it's the opposite. He, he looked brilliant. He led the line really well. He occupies defenders really well. He's mobile. He's a, he drops in. He can link play really well. He's a great finisher. He's really got. He's pretty much got everything you could want as a Premier League striker. So I was, I was pleased to see him uh, score and have a just all-round good game. But yeah, Southampton look. Uh, yeah, they look good. They look really good. They, We did say at the end of last season they, they could be a team to potentially go and break the top six. I'm not sure they will do that, but I think they'll come close.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sam, uh, have you been able to watch much of them this season?
2: Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I think, as Mark said, I mean, Ings is such a, a, a great um, uh, focus for them up front. I mean, and, and, and it's fantastic after his... His injury problems and, and he was out for a long time, you know, uh, they took a, a, a bet on him. I know a few clubs sort of looked at him and Crystal Palace, but he, uh, you know, I mean, he's scoring for England as well. I mean, he's guaranteeing them 20 goals. So their comeback from the 9-0 defeat to, to Leicester has, has, has been has been fantastic and shows shows what you can do yeah
1: absolutely uh, Ward Price as well popping up I mean he's been consistently good for quite a few years now hasn't he but he's, he's, this could be an opportunity for him to kind of cement him, himself in some sort of not just his, with his free kicks but his assists his general play he, he seems to be the sort of player that that can lead them and also push on for England yeah, yeah no. I mean, he's, he's
2: just withdrawn today isn't he he's just withdrawn oh, from the England squad today uh, injured yeah. yeah yeah I'm not sure how bad it is but um, yeah I mean it is, it's sod's law isn't it as soon as he starts really I mean, looking like the best center midfielder in the country, he's, he's put out with an injury. Uh, seen do you much of him, Sam? What, what do you, what do you make do you, of him? Of Ward Prowse? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, Martin touched on his, his, his set pieces. Uh, it's mm. fantastic. Very, very, a lot of composure, very calm on the ball. Um, and he's the sort of, sort of guy that, that was, was talked up as a, as a youngster and, and started well, and then faded a little bit, and you know has got the talent, and and he's uh, he's coming back, um, and he's um, you know really really established himself both with Southampton and England.
1: Well, um, let's uh, yeah, let's just touch on Leicester as well because I mean they've got the best record after eight games. You know the one six, uh, and Vardy, the 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 player that he's always has been, if not he's he's turned into a fine vintage, isn't he, Mark?
2: Yeah, he's better He's better than he was three years ago, four years ago, yeah. five years ago. He just seems to be, he saves his energy now. He doesn't just run around. He saves his energy for playing off the last man between the posts. So dangerous. You can't switch off when he's around. Um, he's just he's just a wily fox. And also, he's one of the best finishers we've got. You know, I, I think it's helped him that he's he stopped playing for England because I think it's, it's taken any focus he might have had elsewhere and let him just, you know, concentrate on Leicester. And it's really worked out well for him. The 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 game for Leicester this weekend, I mean, they've been brilliant away from home. And I just thought, you know, well, this home game, home to Wolves, can they, it's a tough game. What can they do with this? And they ended up just looking really good again. And, and Wolves are a solid side. And yet a home game against them, they they just looked outstanding. We've seen what they're like away. We've seen them go to Man City and score five, go to Leeds and score four. We know what they can do there on the break. But at home, it's a different story. And they really came through that test.
1: Yeah, and I, I, as a club, I mean, off the pitch as well, the, the business that they've done that hasn't really affected them. I mean, like Chilwell going, obviously Maguire before Sam. I mean, like, it, it seems like a really well-run club at the minute and Brendan Rogers, uh, whatever people's thoughts of him at, at Liverpool and, and kind of not quite getting that across the line. He certainly went up to Scotland and, and his playing style, basically just turned Celtic into an extension of that. Um, whether it it's... it's Obviously, a lot easier to win things in Scotland. It's still playing with that ethos. And um, what do you make of Rogers? And, and do you th- do you think this is just good fit for him, or would this be another stepping stone? Do you think for him to look on
0: to to a bigger job? Oh, I mean, he's hugely ambitious. So, I, I mean, Leicester are doing fantastically. And obviously, a, 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 I mean, you wouldn't call them a big club, a medium-sized club. But, yeah, it's certainly a stepping stone. I think he wants another crack at a team that can can win the Premier League. He came so close with Liverpool in 2014, uh, went, went to Celtic, carried on winning. Um, but, you know, he... Uh, you know, and people were surprised, well, why, why is he giving up, you know, guaranteed success with Celtic for, for, for coming to Leicester? And and you can see why, because he's made such an impact. Um and he he this is I see Leicester is almost his audition for another top six job, and I think he's he's passing it with flying colours. Um and you know there were, you know, I think there was a column in the Athletic a week ago or so saying, look, it will never happen, but he'd be a great fit for for Manchester United. Uh, I think there was talk of Arsenal um, a year or two ago. I think you know if he continues with. I mean, there is a bit of a stigma around him, obviously, with with, with, uh, with Liverpool and not quite making it, and then people see the success at Celtic as as a bit as a bit cheap, you know, in a way. Yeah. But but I think but I think you know what what he's done at Leicester, you would have to have a serious look at him, you know, if you were Tottenham, Arsenal. Next time they have a vacancy, even United probably won't get United because of the Liverpool uh, pass, which which seems a bit silly. Um, you know Chelsea obviously he was at Chelsea as a a young coach Um, you know obviously more qualified than than Lampard but but yeah I mean I I think I think if he continues this he he probably will get another top six job yeah you could almost see him on the continent as well couldn't you Uh,
1: Mark sorry Karen Uh, no go on Chris I was just saying that he seems like the kind of manager that would be ambitious enough to take on a European job if it came along you know something definitely
2: um, yeah definitely exactly I think I think he, he struggles with one thing here and, and the one thing he struggles with is that there's a perception I'm not saying this look I'm not saying this but there's a perception <laughs> that he's a bit of a wally that's all I'm saying <laughs> and I think that, that 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 plays against him it does it's like you know he, he he's, he's a bit of an Alan Partridge type figure isn't he if he was not English or if, if he was not from uh, around these parts we would we would not know if he was a Partridge type character would we but we do and we recognize that sort of person so I think it was really the
0: good. um wasn't it the Liverpool the <laughs> yes. Liverpool uh, a, a documentary series on Channel Five? I can't remember what it was called now. And there was that massive uh, picture porch of free. him on his yeah. wall, porch on his wall, things like yeah. that. And yeah, I, I remember him explaining it that oh, you know, um, a um, who was he Reddin or or I can't remember one of his former clubs, Swansea fans. The consortium gave it to him or something, but yeah, it looked a bit, it looked a bit hero worship of himself. There were a few lines in that as well, but. Yeah, I think that was a while ago. He, he probably deserves to get
2: past. He's, that, he's but... a young, he's a young man. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got no problem really with it. And I'm not, hey, Sam, I'm not saying he's a wally. I'm just saying there's a exception <laughs> out there. You, <laughs> well, you, you ju- think he might be?
1: You'd like him to veer away from being a party. You want him to stay in their kind of realms of respectability. He as a manager, is so, close to, he's so, he's close, so close to party. He's so, so close to party. It's on a knife edge, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. This. Right. Well, let's let's have a, a, a look at the other teams. So, um, obviously, the Liverpool Man City game. I mean, that was two tired teams, wasn't it? I mean, it's reared the conversation about five subs coming up again, and and those two managers particularly were, were at, the, at the focal point of that. Sam, how do, uh, how did you feel about the five subs being used last season? Do you think it's something that that is is common sense, or will kind of disrupt the flow of a game?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's a divide, isn't it? Obviously, the bigger clubs. With 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 bigger squads want, want the five subs, and I think that you know the smaller teams like the fact that that you know uh, although United rode it out, you know if you get back from Turkey the forty eight hours before, you think, look, we've got a chance here, and players will will tire. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's one of these, you need the 14 team majority in the Premier League. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure they'll, they'll get it really. So uh-huh. uh, I think they got it, you know, in the unique times of Project Restart, but they thought, well, okay, look, no, you're not having it anymore. So I, I'm not sure whether it will come back. And I, I, you know, I find the moaning of people like, you know, Klopp and Pep and Solskjaer with huge, big squads, you know, a bit, a bit tiresome, really get on with it.
2: Yeah, yeah, also, we're using the, the Man City-Liverpool game as, a, as an example of needing five subs each. They only made three subs between them in the whole game. Liverpool made two, Man City made one. So it's not like they both made three subs and were straining. They, yeah. they didn't use all their subs. So what 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 good is having five, you know, four extra subs on Man City they could have used? All right, well, they Man, could have used two extra. They didn't do it. I think you both make May- excellent points.
0: Maybe you... I was going to say, maybe you could do what what you do in grassroots junior football, which is the good old roll-on, roll-off subs. So, yes. you know, you can come back on.
2: <laughs> and r- rush keepers. Bring them on for penalties.
0: <laughs> bring them on for
1: penalties. Yeah, that's it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, as you said, Sam, I think that there's a threshold that, that that many teams have to be involved. I think you're right. It's match management. A lot of the pieces I saw from journalists today were exactly the, echoing the sentiment of both of you. <laughs> And scoffing at the idea of Man City and Liverpool just not dipping dip deeper into their squads and, and giving yeah. people a chance, just you know. But as we've seen, it certainly affected. I mean, it's interesting this season, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, there are other teams emerging around them. You, you had these dynasties during the 90s and, and 2000s. I thought that there was ever only going to be two or three teams up, up at the top fighting for it, but now you've got these other teams that are all the kind of pretenders to the throne that we're talking about. I mean, we'll go down the table and let's talk about Villa. I mean, Villa's performance at Arsenal, Mark, I mean, did you watch
2: the game? Oh, uh, yeah, I watched the game. I, I love watching Aston Villa. Um, I love watching them last season. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jack Grealish, have been for years, been talking about on the podcast for as long as yep. I can remember. Um, and he was great last season. You know, he was the talisman. He he didn't single-handedly keep them up, but he certainly was, they wouldn't have said that without him. No chance. This season, they've surrounded him with more quality. Douglas Luiz looks more settled, so they've got more of a, a good unit in the midfield. John McGinn's fully fit and playing fantastically well. But then taking on the creative burden, he's got Ross Barkley, he's got Watkins, he's got Trezeguet. He looks like the best player in the league at the minute, Jack. Grealish, surrounded with these excellent players. He looks like he can do whatever he wants on a pitch. And we talked about this the other week when they were, uh, I think they were 4-0 down. At, was it Leeds? So many games at the minute. They were, they were getting hammered. Yeah, that's right. And, and he was still taking the ball in 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 tight areas still wanting the ball demanding the ball never hiding at any point even 4-0 down and that's great that's 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 to be admired but when you see him 1-2 0 up at arsenal and he's just completely dictating the show he's, he's, he he is he's one of the best footballers we've produced for a long time and i i rate him so highly that i'd be disappointed but not surprised if he doesn't get into the england side but for me he he'd be one of the first names on that list
1: do you not feel, though, sorry, just to stick on with Mark on this one, do you not feel, though, Mark, that it's because he's at Villa and he is the focal point? Very, very often with these players, you take them out of that, like a Letizia. I know that his yeah. energy and his quality should shine through in any team, but because he's the focal point of Villa and people are, are, are reliant on him giving the ball and he has that confidence, is, isn't that hard for him to do at England level?
2: Well, it, yes, I, I completely get what you're saying. I, I do buy that, but At the same time, in the one game he started for England, he completely bossed it. The question you've got to ask yourself is, is Jack Grealish good enough to build your team around? And if you think he is, then do it. And if you don't, then don't. And he'll probably come off the bench instead. But I think he is good enough. In fact, I'll go as far as saying this, Sam and Martin. If you put Jack Grealish (laughs) in any team in world football, and I'm talking Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man City, Liverpool, anywhere, any team in the world he would play his way into that starting scene within a couple of months of being there and he'd be their talisman. I think he's that, that good. And oh. that's a
1: big shout. I appreciate You heard that. it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> Sam, uh, what are your thoughts on Grealish? Oh, I, I
2: mean, I love him. I think he's a
0: fantastic player to, to, to watch. You know, the way he schemes away, schemes around the box, the way he always seems to make time for himself. You know, the best players always seem to slow the game down to their pace. And, and he seems to do that while he's sort of looking for a ball to play through. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, during the summer, I wrote a column saying, look, it looks like he's going to be trapped at Aston Villa. I mean, he wanted to leave, he wanted to go. But it looks like it's worked out brilliantly for him because, you know, I think trap sounds are probably a bit unfair now. He's having the time of his life, playing for his boyhood hostage. club. Yeah, in, enjoying it's
2: it. It's Stockholm Syndrome. He's, <laughs> he's loving his hostages, hostages, hostage you know,
0: And, Pro- and it, it's worked out brilliantly for him. Well, I'd like to compare it to, to
1: maybe a similar sort of thing at, at Palace, where basically Zaha mm. has, has now got a few bodies around him. That are performing brilliantly to bounce off and maybe take a little bit of pressure off him and and I mean great management from Roy it seems they, they seem to be flying at the minute in, in a way that kind of people probably were waiting for Palace just to have that season where they were finding it difficult and getting really dragged down into the mire but they've kind of gone against the odds again haven't they Mark?
2: Yeah, they have. Um, they're a difficult one to read, aren't they, Palace? And and you're right about Zaha and uh, Grealish comparison. I think I think that's probably a fair one. However, I think the difference between the two is Villa feel like they've got a higher ceiling than Palace. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Villa finished top six, top seven. I mean, I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. Whereas Palace, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if they did. Yes, they brought in more players to take the burden off Zaha. Eze looks looks great. Bachelor-wise, a good signing for depth. Uh, we know what AU's qualities are. Um but I, I don't think they're quite at at the level of Villa at the minute. I, I think the the other difference is that it, it seems to me, and this might be wrong, but it seems to me as though one of the reasons they managed to get Garilish to sign a five year contract was by saying, Look, Jack, we're gonna we're gonna give you these players to play with and I don't feel as though it's the same with Zaha. I feel like it's been a happy coincidence with Zaha and I think he still probably will move. Um but fair play to him. He's, he's really knuckled down. He's been fantastic again this season. So, you know, I, I hope half just is happy and, and finds either happiness continuing at Palace or, or gets the move that we've heard about for so many years.
1: I think that's quite astute, yeah. Sam. Sam, they're your local team?
2: Yeah, no,
0: they're just, just around the corner and sometimes in the, the local coffee shops I'll be there and I see... Uh, Joel Ward turn up with the, the morning order of uh, flat whites and lattes to take in the training ground. So, uh, um, but yeah, no, Zahar, I mean, he's desperate to get away. There's no doubt about that. He wanted to go not this summer, but last summer as well. So, he, Palace are getting two more seasons out of him, um, and, and it's simply because no one will pay pay um, pay what Palace want. Really, he signed a long contract. He's on about a, over a hundred thousand a week, and, and he just hasn't been able to, because of that, uh, Palace had priced him out, oh. out of a move. Um, well, yeah, why do people pay the money, though, Sam? I just think because, uh, well, because I think there are doubts about him. I mean, he's been in, in, in the Premier League now for the last six, seven years. He's a very, he's an exceptional player, a brilliant player, but I, I think, you know, Arsenal had a decision last year with Pepe or Zahar, and they put their money, you know, they put seventy million into Pepe. Probably, probably would have been better. So spending on Zaha, there is that. There is that doubt. Maybe it's you know, it's the inverted snobbery about English players that they, that, that, you know, that they're not not sure about them. And there is a tax on English yeah. players too. Um, How old is he? Zahar's coming. I think he's turned twenty-eight. His next birthday He's twenty-eight now, so he's about three years older than Grealish. Yeah. Uh, he's just taken so, so on. So new-
2: you're looking at Zaha. Maybe you're looking at Zaha and you're thinking, well, he's a player that does rely on physical attributes as well, pace and whatnot. And maybe that once he starts to lose half a yard, maybe you know his his value plummets. There is no sell-on fee. Well, so I maybe mean. That's something-
0: I mean, you ask about the doubts as well. I mean, it, obviously, he did get the big move to Manchester United, uh, when was that, 2013, so seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't treated fairly. Didn't start a single Premier League game. Was treated appallingly. I mean, obviously, he was signed by Sir Alex Ferguson, his last signing. And then he turns up and there's David Noyes is there at Ferguson's. <laughs> retired. never got a fair crack at it. Um, and I think he could have been a sensational player for United. That was a huge, huge loss. United as well still have 25% sell on clause as well. So that's why Palace have been reluctant to sell too, because they have to give 25% to, to United. So they don't get the f- full amount.
2: Um, so I, I think, think that, you know, they should have signed him again, you know. I, I think that would have yeah. been a great signing. 25% discount on him. Yeah. No, they would have, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think that was... You get a player who's, uh, who's proven.
0: I think that was floated. It was floated. When they realised uh, not Sanchez, Sancho wasn't going to happen, that was floated, Zahar. But um, Solskjaer had him as a player on loan at Cardiff. When he was at United, he went on, on loan to Cardiff when Solskjaer was the manager. And he didn't cover himself in glory there, Zahar. I think he felt it as a demotion and didn't play that well. So I don't think Solskjaer has happened. Memories of that, but I think he should have. I think, yeah, it, it was certainly would have improved uh, this United squad. Zahar has taken on a new agent as well in in Jay Z, um, Rock Nation, and Rock wow. Nation. Yeah, yeah, which is so. You know, I don't think Jay Z personally. I think he's a you know good great calling card. I don't think Jay Z has wanted Zahar for his performance against you know <laughs> Southampton last season or something, but. Um, <laughs> But you know they've got Marcus Rashford too, so he he did take Byron the, the yeah 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 but, uh, they, he had he took on Pini Zahavi for the summer to get him the move, and it didn't happen. So he he, he parted ways with him and he's gone to to Rock Nation. Uh, so he's he's still desperate for a move. Yeah, I mean um, he, he 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 wants to play in the Champions League. He wants to prove himself at a top six club after his United experience. I think he deserves it. So, you know, I mean, I enjoy Absolutely. watching him at Palace, but, you know, I think he does deserve it as he's proven this season. I often compare myself uh, to
1: Zaha. Uh, that um, that that Ferguson story, Sam, when I signed for Macclesfield and um, Paul Ince was the manager and he signed me and then he left for MK Dons in the summer straight away. So oh. me and Wilf for just, you know, kindred spirits. Kindred spirits. <laughs> Who replaced Paul Lintz? Who? Who? Uh, luckily, it was Ian. Bro- well, it was Ian Brightwell, but he did. Li- he did come in and go. Kind of, uh, I brought my own strikers, so I had to kind of force my way back in. Luckily, right. I managed to do that. Um, but we weren't exactly. Uh, yeah, Paul Lintz kind of left, and the resources, the scant resources of Macclesfield became even more scant. Basically, because Paul Lintz was quite good at persuading the chairman to, <laughs> to put his hand <laughs> in his pocket, or at least, you know, when I say put hand in his pocket at uh, Macclesfield. Um, I remember when I was getting my shirt made up, they, t- they took, uh, I, don't, I think I had to play without a name for a couple of games because we'd run out of R's. <laughs> yeah. And then he ended up, he made it's an a- R, he cut an, he cut an M in half and made an R out of it for me for <laughs> on the back of my shirt. And I was
2: like, Oh, well, that God. took him four games to work that out.
1: Well, it, it was more that I, I like, I didn't have a shirt when I'd signed. You know, like you'd have your shirt with the number and the stuff in the back, and I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, it, it was, you know. But at the same time, it was, it was a, it was a funny time to be at the club because Pollard's had done so well there, and then he'd obviously gone on. He took, he took quite a few players with him. And I was just waiting for the phone call. Didn't get that one. (laughs) But but yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Macclesfield, so I wouldn't speak bad about it. Um, Gents, well, I I think that's all we've got time for this week. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying these uh, lockdown pods because it seems like we're not talking about Liverpool and Man City every week, which is good, isn't it, Mark?
2: Yeah, I mean that'll that'll change pretty quickly, I imagine. Once <laughs> the table takes on uh, a more sort of uh, recognisable form, I think we'll be do talking you, about them quite a lot. Do you e- either of you think
0: that a, a Villa, Southampton, Leicester, even Tottenham could could, could win the <laughs> Premier League? Uh, we
1: didn't talk about Tottenham. I did want to talk about Spurs because that was the most Mourinho esque win. And it <laughs> it will have pleased him so much to win that game in that fashion.
0: I, the, you know, the, the one bizarre thing about this season, though, and, and uh, I sort of want to stop and say, is, is anyone else finding this really weird that that there's just no fans there? And, you know, Villa are beating Liverpool 7-2, and yet there wasn't a single fan there to watch it. Tottenham might win the league for the first time in 60 years. There's no fans will watch it. I, I don't know. I just find it very strange. It's yes, so it's, weird.
2: You, you've, got to, you've got to suspend your disbelief a lot, haven't you? It's like yeah. watching a science fiction film. you just got to go, OK, well, I'll go along with it for a bit, but I'm not yeah. going to with that. I've been doing,
1: been doing quite a lot of commentary uh, in the, the lower leagues for small teams. And I did that FA Cup game, did Plymouth beat Charlton away. And it was an incredible performance. Charlton are a really, really, really good side. Um, uh, Lee Boy did rest a lot of players, but at the same time, Argyle, you know, up against it. They've come up from League Two. And uh, one again, exactly that, Sam. A performance that you just want the fans to be there. I can just, I, I, again, at Grimsby, I think Grimsby, I caught a Grimsby game where they beat um, Orient 3-2. And it was an evening game. And you're just like, you just want to be in the pub with your mates or the yeah. fans after the game. Just, just that atmosphere, that buzz. Because it's, it's you know, nine out of ten times when you're at that level, it's never always the result that you want it to be. But in those occasions, an FA Cup match or a, or a last-minute winner away from home, it's just uh, yeah, you, you got a feel for the fans. I had a lot of feedback from them watching on, kind of feeds and and you know trying to keep up with it. It's just obviously you're sat at home. It's just it makes it even more difficult, you know. But have um, either of you? Been to any football at all uh, during lockdown? Because I know a couple of the lower league teams were having games. On.
2: Yeah, I've been to uh, I've been to Staines, uh, Staines Town, a couple of times. Yeah, played there. Um, the- sort a four the- all actually there. The Staines against South Park. Um, that was uh, that was excellent. And weirdly, one of the best refereeing displays I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> clapping every decision. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Love that, Sam.
1: I guess you've been busy with uh, with Louis'
0: team. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, the, the the senior team of Glee play in in a in a league which is Step Five, and and you've got you've got guys there who used to play in the Premier League and 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 uh, played at a good level. Um, yeah, get crowds of about a hundred to two hundred. But 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 um, uh, as I said to you, yeah, ma- managed by the old Millwall player uh, Gary Alexander. But then because that's non-elite, that's all stopped now as well. So that's Step Five. Um, so yeah, that's all on on pause as well until, until the beginning of
1: December. sender it is well listen the, the vaccine has given us some sort of <laughs> some a, a little glimmer of hope a light at the end of the tunnel um, and Mark always a pleasure to have you on oh, where can we hear you this week Mark you still on the f- 365 tip
2: yeah football365.com uh, we do shows Tuesday and Thursday Tuesday is the topical top tens. Thursday is the big weekend obviously international break so uh, not as much fun as it let's face it but still okay. it will still be going out and it will still be fantastic
1: Lovely. Well, we'll make sure to tune into that. Sam, what, where can we read, read you next?
0: Um, just just Well, I've got uh, the, the in 442, the, the Nicholas Bentner interview will be coming out in a couple of weeks. And, oh, lovely. Um, lovely. Uh, yeah, my, my column's on Forbes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still
1: around. Brilliant. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, it's great to have you on, Sam. That was a really nice chat. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on uh, before too long. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Uh, Cheers, thanks, Sam. Mark. Great Mark.
2: Lovely. Cheers, Grits.
1: That was the whistleblowers. Cheers.
0: Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu.